This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Whereabouts are you? You don't have to tell me your city and stuff. Just oh, to, I'm from uh, the Sunshine Coast, so BC. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. So you're just, yeah, I'm, I'm in uh, Washington State myself. Oh, nice. So that um, explains the flannel. <laughs> yeah, it does. It doesn't help that I've worked with an arborist for like two and some years. Uh, oh, chainsaws really? and lumberjack stuff. I kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So you, you operate wood chippers then, huh? Oh, well, our company didn't have a wood chipper, but I've oh. moved on to, I work with a, a mill now. So I usually just do firewood and. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. yeah. <laughs> so you did, how did you end up in the wood industry? I don't speak the to a lot of industry. blue collar people. Yeah. Well, basically when I had, I guess, first transitioned, um, I, well, I had my top surgery. It was just a little bit after that, but. I didn't heal as much as I should have probably. It was like maybe four months after. And then my dad had this guy come over who was like, he got to cut down some trees and he was just stacking branches and he saw me working and he was like, does this kid need a job? And I really needed a job. So yeah. Yeah. And then I kind of just, I remember my first day and then I was like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is really hard. But then I went back to kind of in my head where I was with my dad and he was getting me like work boots and he was like, I'm really proud of you. So I was like, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. And so you just kind of apprenticed your way up and just kind of in that industry then? Yeah. And um, it's kind of funny now. Well, now I actually do mill work with my dad. So he, he's like a tech guy, but and then he's got this mill on the side. So it's like, it's pretty fun. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, that, that's very unique. A tech guy with a, like a, a mill hobby or something. Like, yeah. Like, huh. I don't know. He it's got a, a back injury. And, a little bit. Yeah, he got a back injury. And then he's kind of just like, well, being physical helps him feel better instead of you know, mm. you're fixing a tablet and you're hunched over it for an hour or something. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you have a place you wanted to start? Or you mind if I just ask questions organically? Yeah, you can ask questions. Whatever is fine. There is a aspect of certain... Um, this cohort called the ROGD uh, subset who kind of came onto the scene very recently uh and very highly represented of female to male transitioners teens and one aspect of that seems to be a dissociation from the body or a hyper focus on the internet and i've heard positive stories of girls becoming more physical getting out into nature and boys too uh, kids specifically like actually using their body and being out in the world kind of helps them get more comfortable in their skin. Is that, oh. uh, does that resonate with you? 
Yeah, I I feel like in a way, um, well, I personally, I'm, I've always been an antisocial person, not because I don't like people, I love people, but I go into groups and then I I hear all these different conversations and I'm trying to listen and then I end up like. I end up leaving high school, for example, with a headache, and it was just like that for me all the time, and I'd get super overwhelmed around a lot of people. But I feel like when I got working in the physical field, like there was some sense of happiness no matter who I was. It was just because I was getting out there and doing things, whereas normally I would isolate by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your trajectory with gender um, or wrestling with identity broadly? When did that start become? Um, I feel like for me, it was just, it was a lot of things. Like as a little girl, I would, I would look up to my dad and, you know, it's, it's not hard to look at somebody and see when they're going through a lot. But then I feel like the typical man role is you're the protector, you take these burdens. And then a lot of the old timers are kind of like, if a man is depressed, they're like, oh, quit whining and stuff. And I think seeing seeing that and that he had all these burdens to hold on to alone, I, I don't know, I felt kind of bad like I I wanted people to look to me too and I wanted to help and I wanted to be strong and I wanted to be able to protect my mother and my sister and there was my household was kind of chaotic and a lot of my life was chaotic where like people would hurt us or I it was easy for me to forgive when it came to me, but then when it came to my mom or my sister and I just felt like so helpless and so powerless. And I feel like as, as a small girl, I, I felt like I couldn't do anything about it. And I, I don't know. It's like nobody looked to me for that. And I didn't want to leave all of that protecting up to my dad because it's, there's some points where you know he he works or he's he's out and he's not always going to be there to protect us. Hmm. Yeah. That is very unique. I haven't heard of um I haven't heard it put this way where a girl wants to adopt the male persona specifically to be a protector. Um did you I get think, into like firearms and stuff? I know. I guess uh, Canada's oh, I, got a different. I have my non-restricted license, so yeah. Okay. I, okay. <laughs> I um, it it. I feel like for me, it was a combination of things because it's like, you know, I was always a tomboy, but then I feel like. I think it like concerned my mom. So she was just, I would like go into the guys section and then she's just like, oh, hey, I got you some girl clothes and some makeup. So in a way I felt like she was saying, that's not really what I want you to be doing. And then it kind of hurt. Or when, you know, puberty hit and I had all my male friends throughout elementary school, we'd go like, camping together or like play dungeons and dragons and video games and then you know it's natural like puberty hits and they see like you know if they see a female and like 
it's not like all of them gave me that attention, but I mm-hmm. think some of the ones that did, like that I met in the future, like I don't know, they just made me feel like disgusting. Like I was just like, I don't want to be looked at in this way, and it it was hard for me because I am I've always been or I think like a nice person, so I had to try to tolerate these things and be mm. nice to these people even if they were not so nice to me but i think so i went femininity when, when you when your female body hit in the woman direction and then men noticed that you didn't like them paying attention to you in that way and they didn't see you anymore maybe yeah, it was kind of like that where I felt like when we were kids, we were just like together. I could kind of do what I wanted with them. But then I felt like once I hit puberty, then a lot of the other girls would see I'm hanging out with these guys and then kind of get snooty about it or okay. like, and so it's just from everyone's different like perspectives, like the girls were kind of mean to me or being like oh you're just doing this for attention i'm like i'm Uh, sorry i don't want to like gossip and paint my nails or whatever it is you're doing like i'm sorry okay and yeah but i think for me how big was your uh, i'm sorry i keep on interrupting how how big was your junior high and high school like was it pretty big pretty small because i think that kind of affects the dynamics or at least your selection it was small enough for me to pretty much almost recognize everybody I saw in a okay. way. Yeah. But I think with all of that combination and then I did go through something traumatic. Like, I don't want to get too much into it because that's a difficult topic. But mm. like where I was kind of put in this situation where somebody kind of tried to make me feel like I had to be obligated to like show or do something like I didn't know how it was going to escalate but I felt like they were trying to make me feel obligated to do this so mm-hmm. um I don't know I felt like I felt like if I had said yes to something small they would try and escalate it or whatever it was because I was just really I was scared of this person hmm. so I ended up like I think that was just the last straw for me and I was like I don't want to be looked at I like I don't I don't want a chest I don't like it's just it's it felt so disgusting and wrong for me that I just wanted to like shrivel up in a ball when anyone looked at me and oh okay yeah and yeah I because of that I ended up going to um some sort of Uh, it's like a child counselor i can't remember the word for it right now but basically i went to her and i told her about this and it was so messed up like she told me that i had to confront this man i had to confront this man about this and like basically said i had told and like kind of do that alone and i was like in what situation would you ever make a person confront their abuser whether it's mentally or physically or whatever it is and 
she actually she was like if you don't do this i'm doing it for you and i was like she literally came and she talked to this person and i think she just in a way made things like worse or where i was more scared and then it was just so hard for me to trust talking to people again because i'm just like how do people like this have their degree in anything i just didn't understand that hmm. okay so just to summarize you tomboy uh, friend groups male mostly puberty hits guys start paying attention to you differently girls start being jealous or accusing you of being a pick me um because you're non-conforming. You also get uh, very absorbed. It sounds like you're very absorbent of social situations. So you get overloaded. So you're really keyed into your environment. You're very sensitive, uh, it sounds like, uh, to social levels. And then a power dynamic develops and uh, a, an abusive situation develops. And then when you seek help, the help doesn't go in a way that makes you feel safe. It, it increases yeah. your feeling of I danger. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Like to be honest, there's been a lot of times in my childhood where I've sought help in some way. Like for me, humor is my coping mechanism. So I might just like joke like, Oh yeah, you know, I got my rib broken the other, like, I don't know. It's just, I kind of, I didn't know that this kind of stuff was not normal. So I would joke about it. And but it was like my own cry for help, and then people, yeah, they obviously didn't know what to say, and or I had one person who's like, I don't really believe you, and then they went to that person to ask them if they were doing that, like hurting me, and uh, I was like, in in what, like it's just the logic with some people, and I always had such mm -hmm. a hard time getting very close to people because it's like the moment I suspected I couldn't trust them, so then. I was kind of locked away in my own room most of the time to my own thoughts and had a lot of depression. So yeah. when you find this, this, you hear about like trans people who feel a lot of the things that I do, they're uncomfortable with their body, they're depressed, and you try so many things to fix it. You reach out to so many people and nobody can help you. So you lock on to this one idea that, if I do this, I'll be happy. And then in a trans kid situation when somebody's like, or in my situation, if somebody's like, oh, you're not a boy or like, don't be stupid or, or wait, I'm just, it was kind of like for me, they're like, wait, you have to wait to be happy because I didn't want to be told that what I thought was my one way for happiness wasn't it. And I was just like, what do I do then? Hmm. So... Were you imaginative, bookish? Um, did you did the when you locked yourself away? I, I assume you went online. Oh yeah, like. And where I where did you start with your online life, and how did that develop over time? I would kind of go on a lot of RPG games or like MMOs, and I would go on, and you know, I I would used to have female characters but then like if i was playing world of warcraft and some dude runs up like hey hey let me help you level here here's like here's like a thousand gold here's like do you do you want to like go in my party i'm just like you wouldn't do this for another dude so can can you like stop and <laughs> so i pretty much just 
Like, huh. I started making male characters or I wouldn't tell people I was female. And then yeah. I was like, hey, you know, I feel more comfortable now. And I had like a male online persona, yeah. basically, where I just, if people s assumed I was a, a guy, I wouldn't correct them. And so even the benefits of, of male attention were derogatory to you in some way, like a guy uh, trying to help you. Yeah, I just felt like I'm like, like a dude, I don't need your help. I'm going to be up to like a level 80 in no time. What are you talking about? And like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> huh. Okay. Yeah, I think it just, it just like really annoyed me because uh, it's like any game I played, like even GTA Online, somebody shoots me and I was like, I was kind of just testing around. So I was like, I was joking. I was like, oh my gosh, why would you do that? And then, then they're like, are you okay? I'm <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I felt like a lot more comfortable like this. Yeah. And then once I found out, like, I think it was a, a trans male visited my, I think it was early high school. He visited and then he was talking about all this stuff that I genuinely related to. Mm. So, you know, you look it up online and at the time, probably like, probably looked it up when I was like 14 and... Okay. And what, what and year then, about is that? Oh, no. Don't make me do math. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, Mid-20-teens, uh, 2013, 14, 15. Oh, probably 2015. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm 21 right now. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I uh, just kind of locked onto that. I started looking into it online, and I couldn't really find – I found, like, one detransitioner – and then I found a lot of people saying the odds of detransition are so unlikely, but how do you get the statistics when somebody like me, when I detransitioned, I never went back to any clinic. I wanted nothing to do with those people anymore because I feel like those people should have, I don't know, helped me because I was, I had chronic depression. They knew yeah. this. I was on fluoxetine. I was on citalopram and and they just like, they're just like, oh yeah, this is the solution. They didn't even try anything. I couldn't like afford or find therapy, and the I was scared to find therapy or anyone because of what I'd been through. Okay, yeah. And so the complexities of online forums with regard to trans forums or gender questioning forums. Um, did they? Was there discussion about other? issues or dealing with depression or anxiety or anything like that oh you, yeah honestly yeah. there was a lot and i feel like a lot of the times online you'll read like that depression or anxiety or whatever is feeling uncomfortable is often what gender dysphoria is but i'm like well that's actually what a lot of other things are so it's like what they describe as dysphoria is just a broad category of things. And they're like, well, this is what it is. You're a tomboy and mm. you're uncomfortable in your own body and you don't want to be a woman. This is what it is. Mm. And mm. there is just like nobody really looking for anything underlying. And like even before I heard what being transgender was, I didn't know what it was when I was a little kid. I would kind of be like, I want to be a boy. I didn't know what that meant. But that's basically the signs of somebody who's transgender, right? So mm -hmm. 
I guess I never thought I would be comfortable with myself, like as yeah. I was. Yeah. So just to expand on, I want to be a boy. One thing that you expressed was you want to have the strength to protect your family. You don't want to be um, looked down upon, whether people are trying to help you or yeah. feel sorry for you. You, you want to have self-determination. And also, I can see that your social situations would change. You'd be in less danger because somebody wouldn't want to get something from you as a woman. Um, yeah. what, what else is in that I want to be a boy? I don't know. I just like. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, maybe, it, like, along with all of that stuff, like... I would I would like look at a dude and I'd be like, man, he looks cool or like mm. like he's got a leather jacket. And I was like, oh, I love that. And or mm. that's a really cool beard and stuff. It's like, I mean, it was like, yes, I was I am like attracted to men. So I didn't really think of it that way. It was like kind of a he's attractive, but I also want to look like him. But yeah, then as I kind of. I don't know my parents were or are very biblical so am i so then hmm. when they're like we don't know how we feel about this but we love you and we'll be here for you no matter what you do i think that was vitally important for me because you have a lot of you have a lot of people like i don't know i want to say like the jehovah witness religion that because they're like under the um, umbrella term of christian that if somebody deals with a, somebody who is willing to discommunicate a gay child out of a church and then if their family talks to them, kick them out as well, it's kind of like obviously a lot of the LGBT community is going to be hurt and then look at religion and be like, oh, that is so awful. But it's like it's it's not like I had these loving people, even the church I went to, they were just so accepting of me no matter what. They were there for me. Mm -hmm. They were never like, this is wrong. What you are is wrong. They were okay. never like that. And I think they really helped me find myself. There's a difference between acceptance and affirmation. Did the, did the church and your family like uh, celebrate your transition or just accept you as a human being despite gender like there's they, a subtle difference in there yeah they just they didn't celebrate it of course but they were just like you know everybody has their hardships hmm. like just because mine is worn on my sleeve so to speak at the time it doesn't mean that 
nobody else is sinning we're all we all do bad stuff like it's mm. just or what may be perceived as that and for somebody like i was hit with some lines of scripture and at this point i was like like i don't know what to think about that but i was like for me i you know i put god first that's my religion like whatever anyone else does i'm going to love them i'm not going to judge them because i've been in a lot of other people's situations or i've seen all these situations and i was kind of just like well this isn't right for me because on the off chance i shouldn't like be doing this i didn't really know i still don't know so i'm never going to tell anybody what they can and can't do that's not my right so I was kind of just like, this isn't right for me because I don't know. And on top of that, I had already started to become uncomfortable with being a man. Like, it was more of a, well, you know, eventually I want to, like, get married. I want to have kids. I want to, like, I can be, I don't know, strong as a mother. I can, like, go to the city with a pocket knife or something and if like somebody comes at me I'm I'm going to protect myself like it doesn't it doesn't matter what I am or who I am or hmm. it took me a long time to realize that yeah I I needed to change the people around me and not myself and I well except for my mental state <laughs> yeah 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 so what were the steps for of transition for you was there gender therapy that led to um, hormones that led to mastectomy and you had careful uh, uh, overseers on a therapeutic level and endocrinology level and then a surgery level and very slowly taking you step by step through all the consequences and making sure Not that you fully all. understood? No. No, Because that's what the trans rights activists are saying. It's just, I feel like they know how it is for wherever they live, but that's not how it works in BC. I don't know about the rest of Canada, but with with Trudeau and whatever, I, I don't even want to get there. But, <laughs> Let's not know, get there quite You know, yet. you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but basically, I I kind of just, to my mom, I was like, I'm, I'm trans male, or I think... What well, this time I came out to my dad actually because my mom was out on some vacation with my sister and I was just like I didn't I was terrified to talk to my dad because that is the one person I don't want looking at me any differently but he was like the most kind of you know will go talk to people and like figure this out but what talking to people for me was I just like my mom ended up taking me to like the Vancouver Children's Hospital and they were like you're gonna need a therapist but that's not true because I just went to a different clinic I couldn't afford a therapist and they weren't they didn't give it off for free for some reason I, I don't really know hmm. whether it was they couldn't find one or I couldn't find one or if it would have been covered I don't know too much but I went to this other clinic and just like kind of talked to this doctor I was like yeah I I felt like this for a long time. Like, I want to be a boy. And she's kind of like, okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll refer you to a doctor. There wasn't much to that. And then I went to the doctor and he did ask me one question, which was like, 
are you sure your dysphoria isn't anything else? And with what they describe dysphoria as online, they don't get into the other side because they don't know, but I do. And hmm. like, so I was kind of like, you know, no, like I, I genuinely believed there wasn't, but, and I was like a very, very depressed kid. Like it even made me miss school a lot. And there was just like, nobody really helped me with that. Everybody was kind of just like, oh, your depression has to be because of this. And I was like, yeah, maybe they're right. And I think like the online community had the, since my mom was initially like, ah, I had said to her, cause I got it into my head that this was a good line to say is that you either have a dead daughter or you have an alive son. Cause I was just like, I was tired. I wanted to be accepted. And I think looking back, I never would have said that to them. That is just, that is, that's a not, not a good thing to say. Cause I feel like even if I, even if things never changed for me and I don't know, even if I was like stuck in this deep depression, I would never do that to myself because I want to be there for my family and God. And I think like, I don't know. I've just, it's, I just, I just couldn't do that to the people I love, but I wanted to live for me as well and not mm. just other people. Cause that is, it's a tiring existence. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you were very certain that transition would save you. Very certain. Cause yeah. I was like, hey, you know, I can finally hang out with people online like I've been doing and I can be a guy. I can, like, I don't have to, I can just hang out with the dudes and I can, like, I can be the protector and I can get stronger because on testosterone, it's way easier to get stronger. And that's kind of what I did. And, yeah. So, so you're the endo guy or the doctor who would eventually assign you cross-sex hormones or exogenous testosterone oh he asked you one question about whether or not dysphoria could have any other cause rather than a trans identity yeah and that that was like the only question and he's like yeah okay okay and then I left that office, I can't remember the full conversation, but it, that's the only question I remember that was the only question. I left with a prescription for testosterone okay. then and there. And no therapy. cream, patch, injection? Injection. Okay. And then I talked to, um, I don't know why I'm forgetting the names right now, but yeah, I talked to... Uh, at a, at a like a youth clinic, I talked to a youth practitioner, and she she kind of like got me a referral to another doctor to talk about top surgery. Like a couple months in, and okay. And how old are you? I'm 21 now. I I've, was 15 when I started testosterone. And you okay? So you were 15. Do you consider yourself, looking back at the age of 21, that 15 is old enough to make a decision such as you made? No, not at all. Because, I mean, like, 15-year-olds get into horrible relationships or I they just 
they make mistakes or they go out and party and they do learn from these mistakes, but this is not the way I should have learned. This is just, hmm. I don't know. I just, I feel like, you know, I, I went to that, that doctor and he was like, oh yeah, we have a slot that's open in a month. Uh, we can do your top surgery then. And it was a month and you can know, they, they kind of, I would keep getting calls from one of the nurses or whoever. And they would be like, if you don't like say you're going through with it, we're giving your slot away. We're giving it away. And I was scared. I was like, Oh no. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I'm like, I, I gotta go through with it then. I gotta do it like right now. And So, so between the knife, between the referral to the doctor, to the knife, how long between uh, the medical industry accepting you as trans and you being on hormones and then having top surgery. So I can't remember how long I was on hormones. I think I was like started mid 15 or a little late, a little later. So I think it was like four or five months into testosterone that I got this referral there, maybe six months. And okay. Yeah. How old were uh-huh. you uh, when you were um, treated to a double mastectomy? I was 16, like early 16. And yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of people try to bring up these statistics that, oh, only like less than 1% of trans people detransition. I'm like, how where do you pull this out of the government does not have that the government doesn't want to have that of course they don't because all i was to i don't know like maybe not to that specific doctor but a lot of these doctors they make a bank when they do stuff like that to a person like me and would they turn that person away if it means losing out on however many thousands they make Mm mm-hmm well, and then, yeah, so there's pressure on them monetarily. There's probably some emotional or moral um, valence or uh, they get a moral boost because they're uh, pioneering um, and championing this uh, latest, greatest civil rights thing. There's yeah. pressure on you to fix your depression and you only have a certain amount of slots uh, they, if you don't go through with it, you're going to lose your place. You're going to use your place. You're yeah. 15, you're 16. So your self-control, your brain is not. <laughs> yeah. And even a girl's brain is better than a boy's brain at that point of, uh, of, of thinking in the future of delaying gratification. But you're still under pressure hormones. You're still in the middle of development. Everything's rushed. It doesn't sound like. There's watchful waiting. It doesn't sound like anybody's being patient. It doesn't sound like your parents had the uh, education. And at that point in time, I'm not blaming them at all. I don't mean to blame them at all, but there's not a lot of awareness at that point in time. Just right now, there's barely off the ground, getting off the ground, enough awareness and resources for parents to look at the nuance of this situation. So everybody at this point in time is kind of in the dark and being rushed through this process and you're at the center of it yeah and i think the thing is about parents here like i've gotten some people being like well where the where are the parents and i'm like it 
here it doesn't matter if a parent is like no you're not doing this or kept referring to me as she and her and sarah because they'll they will put that parent in jail and they will take the kid away so they have to if they want to fight against it do it very cautiously because if the outside community is like oh that's so awful they'd ever like not accept you for who you are we're here for you and i even had a few friends like or their parents be like you can stay with us while we're while you're going through this like you don't have to stay with them and stuff like that and i feel like i'm i'm very glad i didn't go through with that because part of me was like i was sad like i mean they were they loved me unconditionally, I know that, but I was also sad because I felt like this is the only way I'm going to be happy. Why can't they be happy for me? Because I thought yeah. that I had tried everything. Yeah. Yeah. So there was some resistance or at least questioning from them to you, and you interpreted that as a denial of, of your existence or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. That's why I think it is a very hard path for parents to walk because if... If they go through that denial phase where they're like, you're not a boy, if they say that, then that's going to, like, hurt that kid. I want to refer to it in a way as, like, say, schizophrenia or something where they are, like, seeing and believing something and then you're like, oh, no, no, that's not true. Actually, this, then they might feel that as like a threat and then kind of look to that person kind of be like oh so you're against me and where that puts that person in danger i feel like it puts the uh trans child in danger mentally because they've been fed all this information on how it's like wrong that they're not accepted or that even if their parents love them they still don't accept them and that they are old-fashioned and I, I don't see how it's old-fashioned for somebody to question a narrative that is, like, slapped in their face. But apparently it is yeah. nowadays. Yeah. So yeah. I yeah. just... So at 15 or mid-late 15, you get on testosterone. How did that affect you to begin with and over time? I think I would say, like, I was put on not so initially but like a month in i was put on a very high dose my mom was even kind of isn't that a little high but i was like thinking you know it'll make me uh more masculine sooner and so like i was getting voice cracks like two weeks in and then like like more like facial hair and like mm -hmm. just like i mean i gotta say like the people who take um, testosterone and end up like me and don't grow a beard are lucky because it's like now I have to go through all this laser and that's just money I don't have and my question is kind of if the government supports gender reaffirming surgeries and medication and stuff like that if they are so careless to just throw that in people's directions why aren't they helping me because maybe if they helped me, they'd be losing more money. I really don't know. It's just... Well, everything's stacked against... I mean, the, the, Canada's calling any resistance to uh, gender-affirming care is conversion therapy. They're trying to change you, and that's illegal, or pretty close to illegal. Yeah. So everything's stacked against people like you. 
everything is stacked against you. It is. I'm, it's just like it's such a it's it's a hard position to be in because the moment I mean I was there the moment you feel like someone's trying to not validate you or you get scared that maybe like you're a trans kid and you're gonna end up like me and then you're just like well no actually and you watch like two minutes of the video and just go right into the comments because you're mad and once you get mad and defensive you no longer hear what somebody's saying to you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so voice cracks did you get your superpower did you get your super masculine powers uh, right away did you start like tarzaning through the jungle and beating people up left and right <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah but well since i got into that well i got into that milling job like I think it was like five months after top surgery. I wasn't really supposed to be lifting my arms, but I'm just like, yeah. eh, I can do this. And okay. yeah, I ended up like early on, I kind of tore up some stitches in the side because yeah. I was just doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. But I'm kind of like, I'm a person like if I get injured, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm dumb. I'm just going to be like ah, whatever, it's no big deal, I'll walk it off. Or, yeah, okay. Yeah. So you, you, you're you able to do that manly thing, like, it, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a flesh wound, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to go here, you don't have to talk about this, but I have had several conversations about mastectomies, and um, where the surgeons kind of treat the body as, like, this thing of Legos, and they, like, detach the nipple, and they plug the nipple back in, or did how did how um how satisfied were you with the cosmetic aspect of uh reconstruction or the devolution of your female chest into a male or masculinized I mean, chest at the time like pretty satisfied like i any of the stretched out scars are my fault because of like the the reaching and the doing what i shouldn't have done but mm -hmm. um I don't know. I, I, I'm obviously like if I could go back, I would never have done that. Yeah. Because yeah, it's changed over time. But was it? I guess aside from your exertion, did they do it? Did they do a good job on their end of that? I think the people I went to, I think they did a good job. Okay. Which I, I'm, I was, I'm fortunate enough for that because. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have a lot of butchered, botched up surgeries and stuff. So when you get into work and you get into lumberjacking around, um, Monty Python style uh, or not, uh, how does your mental health change? And how does your attitude toward yourself change when you're engaged with trees and physical labor? I think like when i'm when i'm doing all these activities i'm not really focused on what's going on inside my head i'm more like honed in on the job or i'm happy because i'm doing something i love and i like i love chainsaws and there's honestly when there's like a tree that's dying and you gotta fall it like i love roping it down because you gotta like sprint out of there like i've i've almost i've almost been hit like once or twice but it's still like really fun. I like the adrenaline of it. So huh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like the activity made me feel happy, but then I was kind of a person who was like, wait a minute, I prefer being at work and I prefer not thinking. So I'm like, there's still some mental things going on there. And hmm. 
like that's kind of around the time I stopped taking fluoxetine, especially because it would give me headaches all the time. And that's a antidepressant or that's for... an antidepressant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's kind of like for anxiety as well. And yeah. I don't know. I just didn't feel like me. And I think that's when those problems that that happy pill buried kind of came up as well as the I guess the gender thing came up as well then where I was like I was like yeah I like hanging out with my homies but I was like wait like what if I like what if I like one of them and then I'm no longer seen as a female wait a minute do I want to be seen as a female and I was like wait so I kind of got into this situation where I was just like looking back on it and I was like I I never needed to change I could have just been a tomboy i i could have just i should have just done the things that i love to do and the people around me shouldn't have hinted or told me that it's not okay or made me feel bad for it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or excluded me from any activities just because it was like a manly thing or whatever Mm -hmm. another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So you go off the, what you called the happy pill and you're... It seems like your thoughts were able, you were able to look in directions that you didn't want to look in or that you hadn't yet processed and you started to process these things that were underlying your, your depression because that, that drug that was dampening the depression was also dampening the source of the depression. And, and once that drug lifted, you were able to start to. Oh, exactly. Like stuff. Okay. Not only that, but when you have your emotions and your heart set on something that's an in the moment thing so you're like wrapped around this and sometimes the heart will blind you and Mm. it just like takes away your logic so you're no longer thinking like somebody out of your situation would where they're on the outside looking in and then Once you lock in on that, you don't want to hear what they say. Even if you do hear it, you're not really hearing it because you're like, how could this feeling change? Hmm. And the feelings did start to change. They did start to change. And you weren't necessarily as much online anymore. So you weren't uh, being reinforced in your thinking by internet communities. Well, actually, I, I guess I was more or less not part of those communities because I didn't I didn't really uh, fit into the entire narrative that a lot of them had where mm. it was just for me when I worked as a man, like I, I made it nobody's business that I wasn't a cis man. And I just like did my thing. And I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily like the idea of like going to pride parades. Cause I'm just like, I don't like that attention. Like, you know, you don't like, you don't get congratulated for being a straight man or whatever. And it's like, even now I think like, I think that 
I think straight men like are targeted hardcore right now. And then we should have a I'm beard kinda... pride parade, or at least a beard yeah. pride day. <laughs> Jeez, we don't yeah, get exactly. a single day. It's just like I feel it's weird when people have these double standards where they're like. I don't know if they're a trans person and they're like, oh, I'm the minority. Nobody cares about me. And then suddenly a detransitioner is the minority. And they're just like, um, there's only like 1% of us or less that are you like, stop talking, stop getting attention. And it's just weird. Cause it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm that, that, uh, that attitude has exploded this week on Twitter as a, uh, yeah. Uh, female to male trans man just makes a simple video about the uh, hair loss that they are experiencing and yeah. that goes viral and then gets picked up by all of the people who've made their careers on influencing in one specific direction and the abuse and the dogpiling on is worse than anything that's the the cis community has done against the trans community exactly it's totally like, just overboard bullying yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous um yeah, and like, you know i thought that i thought that when uh, jk rowling uh did that and they dogpiled on her that this would be kind of a wake-up call like this this group this activist group is does not have civility uh in mind does is not seeking acceptance they're seeking power but it seems like they just can get away with it and get away yeah. with it and get away with it so i've given up thinking that anybody's going to peak the world um oh, yeah it's, i know it's just it's ridiculous because it's like this cycle of insults and hurt and sometimes like not thinking about the other side whereas as I feel everyone should do, you should always try to see where that person is coming from hmm. and not like have this heated argument with them, but be like, well, that that is true. But as like what I've looked into or being in my situation, you know, you just I'm not a person. I don't I don't raise my voice at people unless they're my brother, but <laughs> siblings. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> I just I feel like it's weird where somebody will like they'll like shout their entire story at you and then you're like but and they're like no i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it it's like you should though hmm. mm -hmm. so when did the thought pop into your head i think you kind of hinted at this that you wanted to detransition so you stopped with the flavoxfalefine um and you start thinking and then when did you start thinking well what's up with this testosterone stuff? Like how, what, what's the path of doubt into desistance for you? I think it was, maybe I was like, I think I was around uh, 19 or 20. No, I was maybe 20 when I, early 20s when I got off of fuloxetine. And I, cause it was because I had realized like, I am sleeping to work to eat to sleep to work and it was like that's all i had in my life and i was kind of just like there's something going on mentally even like if i'm just i'm the happiest when i'm busy so i can't think hmm. so yeah i just it was when i went off of those i went off of that medication and i think i started thinking more into it and then i was just like i wasn't necessarily comfortable with myself anymore because i was like i wasn't like i wasn't born this way or there's so much trauma laid into 
why I would have gone the path I did and the route I did. And I just think it is it is so dangerous of them to be wanting to tell little kids about this kind of stuff because I don't think you should leave it up to a teacher because when you explain stuff like this, you have to be very careful because if you tell little Jimmy who likes sparkles and likes to dye his hair, if you tell him that, well, you might be a boy, you might be a girl, or you might be something else, you never know. Little Jimmy is just supposed to be a kid and, you know, kids pick on each other. It's It sucks, but like it happens and he's probably just going to think more into that and then you're going to have these more of these like eight-year-olds or whoever who are like mom i'm i'm trans and then they're going to feel like that is the fix for it at such a young age and i don't know i feel like there is a fine line between raising awareness and indoctrination because these little kids they i don't know they just don't they can't like comprehend stuff like that mm-hmm. and i mean i couldn't at 15 really without going through extensive therapy which i didn't and i couldn't because there's just so many people in that field that are like just there because you're a paycheck to them or mm-hmm. i don't really mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and so when did you cease the testosterone um i guess I think I was I was somewhere in my 20s. I've probably been off of it for, I want to say, like, eight months maybe now. Okay. Do you miss it? No. I mean, I like being strong. I'm still kind of strong. I try to keep up on that. But I, I don't miss it because it just... I... Well, as somebody who's like, I'm, I'm a girl, that's okay. Like, I... Uh, I just I don't want to be looked at that way anymore and then coming out of being this whole other person it's such a it's such a slow process mm-hmm. even I would like to say it's even slower than the transition process by far because like I I would where I was at is I was like maybe I want to detransition so I started looking into it but then it was like even the costs of a laser for a person who you know might have hair growth like an Italian or something like if you if you like look into that then you're like I can't afford this it's too late it's too late and then you just get into that mindset mm-hmm. and then it makes the depression even worse and I think I mm-hmm. went for a few more months on that it's too late factor mm-hmm. and I was just like barely coming out of my room then I I ended up talking to one of my friends about how I was feeling and then he's kind of just like well do you want to live this way for the rest of your life if that you're miserable? And I was kind of like, if if I perceive that it's not right for me by God or by myself, then why would I be doing this? So I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this hole, but I'm going to try. I'm going to claw my way up if I have to. Mm-hmm. And did you find any resources online for detransition? No, I pretty much found, I found the, I think like, yeah, the D-Trans Reddit. I heard it was taken down, but then it's like back up, I think. And it was pretty much just people like crying for help or 
banding together because nobody else was helping them and it was pretty much people just telling their story and being like here's where i'm at i'm miserable i wish i never went through this yeah. i feel so alone and it was just they're left at that mm -hmm. and that wasn't um uplifting for you or helpful <laughs> no it was like even even looking into help i was like there there's nothing like i couldn't mm -hmm. find anything and it was just like i was trying to work this job with like a man who believed i was a cis man and you know we're all like hoy boy buddy buddy and then kind of like he eventually you know figured out i wasn't but it was like like, man, I admire you for working with an old fart like me, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, the detransitioning was, like, awkward on both ends, probably. Because, I mean, you got to know me this way. You're, mm -hmm. like, an old dude. And, yeah, he's kind of like an uncle to me. But I was just, like, mm -hmm. it was really hard for me to want to be out there in the world, like, detransitioning when I, I didn't want to have to, like, ask him and be like, you know, change my pronouns you have to call me this when i didn't necessarily feel like i was presentable or hmm. feminine enough yet and hmm. it was just like i just was like oh my gosh can i just isolate for like at least six months while i'm going through this detransition but i had to work a lot to even afford any of the laser i was going through and then any surgeries or whatever like hmm. like a voice surgery or chest surgery I don't even know what you can do if you get bottom surgery. Like I, I don't cause I haven't, but it's just five years on testosterone does have an effect on the female reproductive system have, and I am sorry to ask, but you don't have to answer any atrophy there. Did your period stop and has it come back online and did your relationship to that part of your life change? It, it, it did stop while I was on testosterone, like before I didn't remember this and like my first interview, but I had been taking like the Deprovera shot or something, which was, it was like supposed to regulate your periods or something. Okay. And it didn't do that for me. I was bleeding for like three months straight, dude. Like it was just, and I think because of that, I was just like, just put me on the testosterone already. Like, I I was just like this is awful like I can't I don't want to be out in public like I'm hurting all the time and okay so yeah your 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 reproductive system before transition was already um, stressful for you yeah like before that I would get like such painful cycles that I would have to go to the hospital for like morphine because of it like to the point I was screaming and agonizing pain. And have you like looked into or been diagnosed with polycystic uh, uh, ovary syndrome? I I don't really know. Like I did go and get a scan on it, and they said I had like a bit of a bicornuate uterus, which is supposed to cause some pain. But I didn't know if that was the full extent of it. Okay. And I had it where I would just I'd have to lay there and do nothing. And I think I especially like hated being a woman if I had to do that like every month and then it would affect my work because I had a point where I was working this job and then I was like like man I, I can't come in like and he was kind of just like well suck it up and 
uh, I got so mad because I'm like, like I feel like somebody's stabbing me with a knife right now, and you're telling me to suck it up, and I'm on like all these painkillers, and I just I hated especially that about being a woman, and okay, well now that I've been off of it, like like three months off, and then I I started that again, and it's like I don't know. I hope it doesn't get as bad as it did. Like I hope, but I don't know. Just, just to clarify. So you were on Depravera, which was to help you regulate your period before the testosterone. When you got on testosterone, you, you stopped having a period, which is probably kind of a relief. And now that you yeah. stopped testosterone, you have to go back and kind of manage that. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like, like, hey, I got five years off of it. Like, I'm not complaining in that way, but <laughs> it was just like, I don't know, being put on this shot where she would keep like giving me it, me like giving me it once a month, and then for like maybe it was like three, four months, I can't remember. But she was like, oh, it'll, it, it's got to stop soon. It's got to stop soon. But then I was just being put through this whole, this whole time going through something I hated and put me in pain and then so yeah I was just it was like torture and I was like okay just I need I need the testosterone now like okay so we do know that the doctor asked you if your dysphoria could have to do with anything else and you didn't think to mention or they didn't think to look into your distressing menstrual cycle did anybody bring that up and talk Nobody to you brought that up like I didn't think to bring it up. I just thought it was one of the bonuses. I was like, oh, I'm happy I don't have that anymore. Oh, I was just, wow. Okay. As a kid, so I didn't really, like, put much thought into that. I was oh, like, oh, God. that's a relief. Okay. Yeah. And, and they didn't think to bring that up. No, it's just because, you know, once you're sent through, like, a network of people, they know they, they're not updated or yeah. the doctors don't okay. think to update each other with what's... Yeah, counselors, oh, like youth clinics, doctors. It's just like all these people that they probably wouldn't think anything could be related either if they don't know yeah. much about it. Okay. I mean, I feel like nobody knows much about it. Do you have a general? Did you have a general practitioner? Uh, I guess you're in BC, so you guys do have uh, socialized medicine. Uh, did you have a GP that followed you and would be the point person for all of your data, your entire medical history? I had um, a youth practitioner that I went to. Okay. And, and did that, kinda... did she interface with the gender doctors at all? Um, to your knowledge? Was, I think she pretty much just sent referrals. I don't know if she like oh. said anything to them. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, just to wrap up that part of the conversation, how has your body been okay uh, to you, uh, or is it? Uh, have you gone back into having uh, intense uh, period cycles and pain? It's like I don't know, progressively getting worse. I'm hoping it's okay. at its worst, yeah. but I don't know yet. Like, I just am about to publish an interview with a woman who had uh, or has uh, polycystic ovary syndrome, which is uh, oh. the, her her symptoms match up directly with yours and i've also sp spoken with women with endometriosis which is incredibly painful too where the uterine lining starts to populate the rest of the uh, torso cavity and then 
just floods the body with a bunch of fluid. So you might want, I, I might suggest like yeah. getting to finding yourself a, a dedicated, knowledgeable and wise uh, gynecologist or whatever that person would be called um, yeah. to manage that. Goodness. I'm so sorry for all of your um, <clears throat> burdens. I don't know. I'm, I'm in a way I'm like, I'm trying to look at the bright side of things like, as a person who tries to take all the outlook I gather on things, I'm mm -hmm. glad to be able to share that mm -hmm. to try and help people. And, you know, it's like, if they're angry at me, if they hate me for it, I have nothing but love for these people because mm -hmm. I'm just, I just want to help. That's, that's all yeah. I want to do. So you, you said you're a scriptural person and, and you've, uh, indicated that you have a, a faith and a belief. How has that developed over time, uh, over this entire, since, I guess, since, uh, you know, since puberty up till now, how, how has that been with you or uh, a part of your life that has helped you or that you've struggled or wrestled with, I guess is the term. Well, I think, I mean, when I was younger, I did like I did believe there was something out there. My family did, but we didn't look too much into it until like uh, maybe like twelve years ago or something. My parents started they they got pulled into the Je Jehovah's Witness community, and like I guess some of the lessons they were taught there, like where it was. <sighs> I, I don't I just want to say it's in some ways it's almost like indoctrination itself because for somebody that loves me to ever say to me that you know like no we're probably going to hell for that to be said that's like a scarring thing and at one point this had been said and I think it was out of fear like it was out of fear not that like they would ever but they yeah. weren't damning you they were just uh, afraid for your soul yeah and i think going like dealing with people who i thought you know not specifically my parents but i thought like i don't i'm not welcome at this church like if i go here they're just they're gonna they're gonna kick me out and i'm gonna like try and have this family here but it's gonna hurt all the more when i lose more people like i did going into my transition and mm -hmm. um, then they kind of my parents stopped with that church when, you know, when they looked into more what being a Jehovah Witness meant. And then you're like, I think it's like you got to swear allegiance to the Pope. But in the Bible, it's like, do not put your faith in man, which is like, that is, that's a man. And then like, do not judge unless you want to be judged. And mm -hmm. it's like kicking somebody out of a church. I don't think for me, when I look at religion, I'm like, Jesus would never turn somebody away and that is what is being done there so that's why I kind of did turn away from religion at that point and turn more to the community that loved and accepted me and then you know once they like researched more and they're like well we can't we can't swear allegiance to the pope because he's a he's a human and and I was like yeah and then they kind of just we all found another church that I went to as when I was trans and I felt like welcome there. And mm -hmm. I think then I started to look more into that because it's just like, 
I had this belief, but I couldn't say I was like happy with the people that shared it at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And has that, um, has your belief, uh, assisted you in kind of sorting things out over the last year? Yeah, like, I wouldn't want to say, because I know a lot of people would be like, oh, that's why she detransitioned or she's brainwashed by the Bible or something. But I'm like, that's not it. That's just Hmm. my religion is just like, if I'm living in a way I already don't want to live and then I'm like, not sure, why would I continue doing it? So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it has helped me through this a lot because there's this one quote, I think, was it, I don't want to say it's like Psalms 34, 18, uh, and it's kind of like the Lord is there for the brokenhearted and like, yeah, and I think that was just, that's, that's kind of who I want to be. I want to be there for the brokenhearted because mm-hmm. I know what it's like to be that way. And I think that was a powerful message to me. And mm-hmm. yeah. So what prompted you to go public? Um, Seems like you're a pretty private person. And all of a sudden you kind of <laughs> got a little bit of attention in the last couple of weeks. I think it was like my church at this point was kind of like, Oh, well, why is he at the time like not showing up anymore? And it was because I think part of me felt like I just, I was trying to detransition. I didn't want to be out in public and then have to explain everything because it was just so hard for me as it mm-hmm. was because I didn't know what mm-hmm. I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I just felt so hopeless. But I think it got around the, the church there and then they actually like started to try and help me too. And then I got connected to Lauren through that and and I just remember like I went to this church camp and I was like just so miserable because I'd been through a lot in that month even transition or detransition aside and I was just like just hopeless and then I had somebody approach me who's like hey you know I know somebody who's a YouTuber and she wants to help you and that was just like that's something I had like prayed for and hoped for and hmm. i i finally had that and i just like i didn't really know him but i hugged him because i was like this this is family like hmm. yeah and yeah it's it was i think it was easier for me to go out and do that because i was like it has been so hard for me like if i didn't have parents that I felt loved me unconditionally. I I wouldn't be here right now. Like I think even with my faith, I wasn't strong enough in it at that time. And I was like I was in such a dark place and I was like suicidal where I was just like I I don't want to live anymore. I'm tired of living for everybody else. And it was just like the days were blurring or <clears throat> I'd stay up so I didn't have to sleep because when I was like incredibly tired, I'd stay up for like two, three days. So I just didn't have to think about what I was going through. And it was just such an unhealthy place to be. And then to finally get this opportunity, I was like, I can help not only myself, but I can help other people. And hmm. that is, that's what I love doing. Like I 
I never knew how to deal with my own trauma and my own problems because it's such easier. It's more easier on an outside perspective to help other people. So I'd focus on them. And then once they were happy, I was like, wait, what do I do now? And hmm. yeah, but I think in helping people who care about me and want to help me back, like they have done more than I could ever explain in helping me feel happy and like i don't i don't need all these little things to make me feel like me again like i'm never going to be as i was but i'm going to be who i am now and i have gone through a lot of things that i will not and have not let me turn turn me into a bitter person mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so where are you now then where, where, do, you, where do you think you're at where, where do you think you're headed where I'm headed. <laughs> I don't really know. I, hmm. I, I've learned to look at things one step at a time instead of looking at the big picture because that's what I've always done and then I just shut down and hmm. I'm just like, I can't do this. So people are just kind of helping me like, you know, it's, it's, as I said to them, they're saying to me like, it's not too late. You can get through this. You have people here that might not know you but they love you and it's just yeah it's just like i've had so many toxic people who would just walk over me like a rug in my life and to have the hand that i extend hand handed back to me is like mind-blowing and it's I feel like I can take on anything right now. It, mm -hmm. Sometimes the depression might bounce back. It's normal, but it's, mm -hmm. I feel like I have people that I didn't have before. So, I'm so just, what, one day at a time then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's all and, you really can do. <laughs> well, do you have any uh, desire to, How best would you want to help others then at this point? And what is the help that you think that you need most right now? Well, to start off with others, I, I don't like specifically want to just focus on detransitioners and their families. I, I want to like focus on everybody because whether or not you're a detransition or whether or not you've been abused or whether or not you feel alone. It's like all these things lead down to that lonely, depressed feeling. And I feel like it's one thing to hear that there are people out there for you, but it's another to know that. And I mm -hmm. like want people to know that. And mm -hmm. honestly, I've always wanted to be some sort of, psychologist or something or i don't know i don't really know yet i just want to mm -hmm. help people through whatever it is they're going through but i've also learned to like not um put everything on my shoulders all at once because i'm i'm only one person so i kind of just take things slow so i don't get overwhelmed mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the other question about me what was that <laughs> Oh, what what do you need right now? What do I need? Yeah. Um, I I don't really know. I 
that's something I still, I just wanna, I wanna be me again, like, or feel like outwardly, cause that's still something I struggle with. Like, I'll go in public and I'm like, or I talk to my friends on Discord. I'm like, is my voice not deep enough? Or, hmm. or like, you know, I'm glad this camera's not HD or whatever. Cause I still, you know, you still got the, <laughs> like the facial kind of hair or whatever that you got to deal with. And then, then I'm like, oh my gosh, do I have to like, I just, I just want like one day at a time I'm going through that process. And it's just like, I'm so glad that I, hmm. I still feel overwhelmed with it, but it's not to the point where I'm like, I can't afford this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think. Well, I you got you just... got to be careful with. Um, you only have so much mental energy, so so spending yeah. it spending too much being worried about what other people think. You need to spend some. Yeah. But it could be easy for certain personalities to spend too much and then you don't have leftover, uh, any I, leftover to do much else. You know? I, I think I'm a lot better with that. Like if, if somebody says something that I can easily like counterbalance with some of my own knowledge that I've come to have, I, it doesn't bother me at all. Or if somebody says something rude, I'm like, well, what are they going through? Maybe they're just, maybe they're, bunching me in with like all the other crazy ideologies that are going on right now and mm -hmm. it's stressful it is and mm -hmm. yeah so i'm just kind of like they're they're angry they want they want somebody to take that out on and i'm kind of just as i've done in school if i'm bullied i'm kind of just like well why are they bullying me they're probably going through a rough time and then i'm nothing but nice to these people and mm -hmm. It's worked so far. I don't know if it, it'll work for everybody, but hmm. yeah, a lot of these people are hurting and they just, they just need somebody and they take it out in the wrong way. So what, what, what do you do that's just pure fun, just pure delight in your life right now? Um, well, aside from a bit of gaming, I, I've been getting back into <laughs> Elder Scrolls Online and Dungeon oh. Defenders too. Um, oh, okay. I yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of just like listen to music or I go out on night walks or hmm. just stuff like that. I, I don't know. I, I like nighttime a lot more, so I'm like hmm. out there and just. Are you north enough to see the Northern Lights? I'm not, I wish, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I don't know. I think it's, it's peaceful. I really, I'm a peaceful person who it's like, I don't like feeling lonely, but I do enjoy having that alone time where I can just yeah. think or listen to music. I especially like a lot of music where I can relate or it's like a story in itself or something, or, you know, if you know that the singer or a band member has been through a lot. Those are like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I just like thinking about other people and their struggles and how far they've come. And it's like inspiration to me. Mm -hmm. Well, Sarah, what do you plan on? Do you think you'll be uh, active on the internet or if, if people want to connect with you, do you think that you'd, uh, you'll be there uh, on an internet level or you, you want to kind of focus on people in real life you think I think a little bit of both because 
I did have a problem where I would just stay in my room and it was it was unhealthy for me like no matter who I was talking to because I was still just in there not doing anything and then I would kind of just mm. not really want to come out and I don't think I'll slip back into that but I'm afraid that I might sometimes or it's a possibility so I'm trying to find a balance of going out and talking to people because I I really would like to talk to people because I was depressed and isolating for two years before the lockdown even happened. So that was like oh, yeah. four years of isolation besides school oh, wow. and work. And yeah. it's like I'm I'm still going kind of crazy from that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Keep on forgetting that we had two years of <laughs> no society. Um, oh, yeah. Close to that. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for um, joining me and sharing with me um, your story. I had another question. It, it disappeared. It I hate when that happens. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, do you want to plug your, I guess your Twitter is where I found you. Uh, did you want to plug any of your other socials? Um, Why? Well, I've got like my my. Twitter and my Discord and I think mm. my Gmail on on Lauren's video as well. Okay. So yeah. just any of that's fine. I I don't have much. I ne I never really liked social media except for you know I'd have the occasional friends who's like you should get this to reach out to me. I'm like okay. Yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, cool cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. <laughs> Let me stop the recording and we can uh, <laughs> uh, chat.